day and welcome to an international news desk special. Whether you are tuning in on SL Podcasts at CRZA, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Mahi Kang 96.7 Game Time, welcome. I'm joined by none other than the, the genius himself, Mr. Kurt Backerfield. How are you, sir? I'm good, Shawnee. How are you doing? I am world class, thank you. Uh, um, not, not really over the moon about Bufana's result with France. I don't think we could have expected fireworks, but what's. What's your view on that, uh, Kirti? Oof, I mean, Sean, it was a, a complete mismatch, obviously. Now, we can't read too much into a game like that. Yeah. Um, I do think that we should point out that it wasn't France at their strongest. Um, it was a, a changed side. Um, Karim Benzema was obviously missing through injury. Um, and a number yeah, thank, of thank, thank, thank goodness, and a number of players were rested for that game. Um, but having said that, Mbappe was brought back into the squad after missing their first friendly of this international break um, mm. against Ivory Coast. Ngolo Kante returned to the lineup, um, but no, there were a few changes to the side. Um, but they were stronger, they were faster, and they were really just superior. Um, in every in every way to South Africa. I think the one maybe positive that you could pull from that game was that um, regardless of how much pressure France put South Africa under, they kept trying to stick to their game plan and their idea. And you know, they kept trying to play from the back. Um, uh, and I, I sort of appreciate a coach who doesn't um, you know change his ideas regardless of, yeah. of opposition. So. You know, maybe that's the one positive run when Williams was really good. He made a few outstanding saves, particularly against uh, Giroud and Mbappe. But, you know, France were just uh, superior. Mbappe scored a beautiful goal um, yeah. to open the scoring. And, um, yeah, uh, boys versus men. Yeah, and just want to touch on that quickly. Um, and were you surprised? I mean, you say boys versus men. Are you surprised with that? Did you feel that we are further down the line than we are? Or is this just a massive wake-up call? Yeah, look, I think that it's hard as a South African supporter not to feel maybe slightly embarrassed by that result and that, and that performance because there was such a huge difference in quality. Yeah. And I think that that's potentially the most concerning thing is that how do you close that gap of like individual quality, like, um, yes. you know, breeding quality footballers. Yeah. Um, so it's not just about their pace and their strength and fitness, et cetera, et cetera. It's just about the actual talent of a player. Yeah. Um, so that's something that is slightly concerning. I don't know how that changes. So Hugo Bruce talks about, you know, it's a young team, it's an experienced team, which it is, of course. Yeah. But how do you change that around? How do you get the South Africa team to go to the 2026 World Cup? How do you get them um, not only qualifying for the next AFCON, but playing really well at the next AFCON um, in such a short period of time? Because, you know, South Africa aren't just uh, inferior when you compare them to European nations. And of course, France are the best international team in the world. They're the world champions. Um, but they are inferior to other African nations. And I, I just think that's worrying. We don't see many South Africans playing at top clubs abroad, sure. um, playing in top leagues. So that's something that's concerning. Um, but yeah, Hugo Bruce spoke about it and he said that he's not concerned about the result. Um, a, lo a lot of the players said that it was a, an amazing experience despite yeah. um, what happened. But um, I, I don't think that there's much to feel encouraged by as a, as a South African. Yeah, and, and just quickly before we end off, and yeah, you, you touched on Ronald Williams' performance. So bear in mind, this could have been nine or ten 
um, we were completely outplayed. And, and it is frustrating, it is disappointing, and it just shows that this is another 10 or 15 year plan in terms of development. And uh, if we don't sort that out, you know, we can't we can't be we can't be getting disappointing results like these because we're not really sorting out the core issue here. But let's stay in Europe. Um, let's chat about Barcelona quickly. The presence, as you briefly mentioned before the show, has discussed uh, two new signings. He hasn't gone into detail who they are, but you, Kurt Buckethill, know who they are. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, so earlier this week, he touched on two um, things. He said that, um, well, he, he basically ruled out a potential return for Lionel Messi because that that's been the talk for you know the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Barcelona players have come out to say that they would love to see him return. Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Pedri, etc., etc., etc. But Laporta has said that it's not possible. Um, and according to reports, at least, Messi has not really considered it himself. I don't think that his relationship with the board um, is really good after the way he left. Um, he felt forced yeah. out. And then a couple of months later, Laporta said, um, that he felt Messi should have done more to stay. So that sort of stained their relationship. Um, but then moving on, he said that they've agreed two new signings for next season. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Barcelona over the last couple of weeks or at least since uh, Xavi's appointment, but there's been a major upturn in results and their performances have been amazing. Of course, they beat Real Madrid 4-0 in that El Clasico a few weeks ago, where they were uh, incredible. Um, and a lot of Xavi's new signings have have actually, you know, uh, or actually contributed in that game and have and have sort of um, been key players for him since they came in. So the club are obviously backing him, um, and they've backed two new signings. So he said, Laporta said that it, they've signed a midfielder and a centre back, um, but couldn't name them. But the midfielder is Frank Kessie, who will be leaving AC Milan as a free agent in June. Um, mm. An amazing signing, uh, an Ivorian, yeah. um, Ivory Coast international. I think is a strong midfielder who adds, you know, um, a lot to to what they have there already. Um, in terms of strength, yeah. he's a good technical player. Um, very different profile to the other midfielders, and I think that's why he's going to complement the team. Um, and then the centre back he was talking about is very likely to be um, Andreas Christensen, the Chelsea centre back whose contract is also mm. up in June. Um, so Chelsea aren't able to offer him a new deal. I don't think that he necessarily wants one anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And there is said to be an agreement. So those are the two players. Um, two more players coming um, to Barcelona, um, being brought in by Xavi. So it's quite exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It just shows what uh, sometimes all a team needs is a fresh face or some sort of new beginnings. And I think Barcelona is, speaks up to that without yeah. a doubt. Um, Staying abroad, uh, let's move to let's move to Egypt. We chatted briefly again before the show in terms of Carlos Quiros leaving Egypt, which has a knock-on effect for our own Roger de What is happening there, Kurt? Yeah, so after Egypt failed to qualify for the World Cup, of course they lost again on penalties to Senegal um, <laughs> under very um, dubious circumstances. I'm not sure you've seen those pictures of the lasers being shone on uh, Salah's <laughs> face. But anyway, um, so Quiros announced that he would be leaving. Uh, he said it's time for somebody else to take charge. Um, I think the idea was for Quiros to come in and, um, you know, get them far, maybe win the AFCON, which he, he got them to the final, and then to take them to the World Cup. Um, yeah. They've unfortunately failed to do that, but that does 
um, mean that Roger Dessar is very likely to leave Egypt too. Um, I spoke to him a few months ago and he said that um, he was brought in by Carlos Quiro specifically and the contract was supposed to go up to December. So that was always the plan. Um, it was basically a World Cup contract. That's exactly what uh, Roger Dessar told me. Um, and then he also said that he is looking to um, return home at some point. He said that he wants to live in South Africa. This is where he's happy. Um, so he'll basically take it from here. But yeah, Quiros' departure means that Roger Dessar too will be leaving um, the Egypt assistant manager role. Yeah, interesting. Um, very happy for him that he, he went there. And obviously, a great experience yeah. and a super nice guy. I'm sure we'll have him on this podcast rather sooner than sure. later. Um, let, let's oh, let's chat about Roman Abramovich and, and what has happened there. Um, apparently, he was suspected poisoning after meetings in Kiev at the beginning of the month as part of talks to end the war in Ukraine. Um, Kurti, what is going? Well, on? I don't. <laughs> this, this yeah, yeah look, obviously. <laughs> Um, I know much uh, as much as has been reported. Um, so basically, Abramovich and two other members of a negotiating team, um, a peace talks negotiating team, yeah. um, were believed to have suffered, um, you know, the effects of, of potential poisoning. Um, yes. So the, I read that the symptoms included red eyes, constant and painful tearing, mm. peeling of the skin on their faces and hands. Um, and apparently those symptoms were so bad that Abramovich asked a science, a scientist who was inspecting him whether he was dying. Um, so quite serious, um, very, very serious in fact. But it, it's been played down by a US official who said that um, the, the symptoms they were suffering were due to environmental factors in, in Ukraine. Um, and then a Kremlin spokesperson has said that um, those reports do not correspond with reality. So, of course, we don't know the full truth, but very, very interesting. Um, Abramovich is still apparently holding or aiming to hold peace talks with Ukraine. Um, I even read that he offered to move some of his businesses to Ukraine. Wow. So, very interesting um, story, but one that is obviously still developing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Thanks for that, Kurt. Let's just move on to something a bit more uh, happy. Uh, not if you're an Italy fan, though, but what is happening in the, the qualifying for the World Cup 2022? Some, some crazy results, um, some surprising results, Kurt. Anything stand out for you? Yeah, so I think the biggest shock was Italy failing to beat North Macedonia. Unbelievable. In their first playoff match. So it was Italy versus North Macedonia um, and then yeah. Portugal versus Turkey. Um, yes, convincing win. Convincing win for Portugal. They were excellent. It was actually some of the best football I think I've ever seen a Portugal team play. Um, oh. They beat them 3-1 and then Italy lost 1-0 um, to a last-minute <laughs> screamer from outside the box. And it's worth a crack! Um, yeah, very, very um, unexpected result. It's just astonishing! But, you know, as everybody thought, well, everybody thought that Italy and Portugal would, would go up against one another to decide which team goes to the World Cup. Um, yes. But Italy not making that final playoff match obviously made it easier for Portugal, who were also convincing in their 2-0 win over North Macedonia. So, you know, celebrations for Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes mm. with a brace in that game. Um, but severe, severe disappointment for Italy and uh, Roberto Mancini, who 
of course, took Italy to the, you know, made them European champions just last year. Incredible, incredible. So, incredible. quite a fascinating turn of events there. Yeah, that's, that's why we love the game. Sweden, they they also out, am I correct? Sweden, yes, they lost to Poland. I think uh, it was 2-0, Robert Lewandowski, of course, on the score sheet there. Wow. Um, and then, you know, some major African nations not managing to qualify, um, namely Nigeria losing to um, Ghana um, through an away goal, which would have been extremely, extremely disappointing. Algeria failing to qualify. Um, Egypt, South Africa. South Africa, of course. Egypt losing to Senegal on penalties. DR Congo losing 5-2 um, on aggregate to Morocco. And oh. then um, Mali being knocked out to Tunisia 1-0 on aggregate there. Yeah, I think the biggest is Nigeria. Hey? I mean, that's... Um... It's unacceptable, but if, if, if it's just, no, I think it is unacceptable. Of course, it is. I mean, that's a really strong side. I think that this, this Ghana team is probably the weakest it's been in years. Um, so they'll be bitterly disappointed. And of course, the fans were. I don't know if you saw the scenes in Nigeria after that game, but fans rushed the field. They were, gosh, like, you know, no, it was just chaotic, chaotic scene. Um, so I'm sure there will be massive consequences um, of that. But yeah, a very interesting uh, week of football for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and Kurt, uh, next week coming up, anything to keep our eyes open for, anything to look out for that you, you think might be worth scrutinizing or just keeping an open eye? Um, well, not necessarily. I, I can't think of anything in particular, but it's a return of club football. So that will, of mm-hmm. course... Um, bring about some uh, interesting events but uh, yeah I think that's it for now Sean Kurti you have been an absolute diamond as usual and um, that is how we wrap up the International News Desk for this week I'd like to thank Kurt Buckerfield thank you my friend as usual so whether you have been listening on SL Podcast or Totsila today Google Play Apple Podcast or Mahi King 96.7 Game Time thank you for tuning in I've been your host Sean Roberts and of course Kurti thank you my friend cheers Sean (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no.